You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at Rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode NFT 365. And on this episode, I want to talk a little bit about like, how do we truly educate? What are the things that we have to really, you know, examine, think about what are some of the things we can stop doing? What are some of the things we can start doing? I'll tap in a little bit like about mass adoption. I even might mention the, the Gartner hype cycle, but more so than anything else, I think there's some things that we can be building in our own worlds today that can help in that overall uh, picture. And, And with that being said, you know, real quick, I definitely want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is a conference for creators, entrepreneurs, small business owners looking to get into Web3, looking to expand their knowledge of Web3, NFTs, crypto, DAOs, and all of those things. And also want to give a, you know, mention, you know, we are launching, uh, I, was, I was calling it a sister podcast, but I'm now changing that. It's a best friends podcast of this podcast. And it's called Getting Started with NFTs. And we're just waiting for our approval from uh, Apple and iTunes, and we will have this uh, podcast out there. And the reason I call it a best friends podcast is because it's actually what you're going to share with your best friends. If you are a listener to the podcast, you've been kind of coming on this journey with us. It can be a little overwhelming. And you might be like, man, I want to get some of my, my friends in there, but like, I don't know who to hook them up with? Like, do I tell them to come on the podcast? It's a daily podcast. Well, you're going to send them the Getting Started with NFTs podcast that will be available very soon in all of your favorite podcasting apps. And it's actually a curated uh, list of how I believe or how we believe that we should be learning and um, you know embracing NFTs. And it'll be a great entry point for anyone. It's also a great refresher. It's not just for newbies. It's for those that are in the space. It's because, you know, I truly do believe that we are all just getting started. So excited to roll that out very soon. The Mint today that we want to uh, give a shout out for Mint 365, you know, buying an NFT every single day for a year is actually Mint number 257. So we minted this on July 27th. And part of the reason that I wanted to bring this one up today is it's still minting. They, I think they have less than 100 left, maybe even less than 75 of these left. But it's from a, a past guest of ours, uh, Sammy Ariega. And Sammy has a project called Pixelated, and it's another one of his songs. But what I love about what Sammy is building is, you know, he has a small team. He is a musician based out of Nashville himself, but he also understands the power of utility and, you know, continued value. And I will tell you, you know, we minted the Digital Heart Collection uh, a little while back, which is also uh, Sammy's first project. But I just love how he's kind of pushing what's possible in the music space and also, it's a really great song with really some great access that can, you can uh, definitely check out. So Sammy Ariega, uh, Pixelated, was the project we minted back <coughs> on day 257 that I think many of you will enjoy and like. Now, with all that being said, one of the things that you know I'm getting inquired about a lot 
it comes around this whole idea of education in the NFT space, right? And, you know, that's where we've gone all in on, right? This podcast has been going now uh, ever since November 11th. Every day, hopefully, you know, I, I think of it as like three parts, right? We are, uh, you know, motivating you, we are educating you, and hopefully we are inspiring you um, with, you know, with our show. And of course, we're going to have the Getting Started podcast, which will be a nice, you know, best friends version um, for, you know, those that we can share. But when I look at, you know, things that are currently, let's just say currently in the media or currently in a lot of people's, you know, news feeds, it can be a little overwhelming and a little bit disheartening, right? I, uh, I tell, I talk about a lot, you know, I consume a lot on TikTok. I really enjoy TikTok platform. Um, I, I also read blogs, watch YouTube videos, even mainstream news, if you can believe it or not. And one of the things that I've heard mentioned in all of these different channels was actually the John Oliver skit uh, about cryptocurrencies last week. Now, in that skit, he talked about uh, Google Glass. Now, I was one that had Google Glass. For those that don't remember Google Glass, uh, it's okay. Um, it was in the you know, early 2000s, or 2000, I think it was probably 2010-ish, um, Google Glass came out, and it was you know, a, a sunglass technology or a glasses technology that was embracing uh, art, you know, augmented reality. And uh, what I think is funny about it is it was definitely an early adoption. It was definitely too early for um, its time, but the technology was actually you know, really interesting to test. A lot of it was about where we were as a culture and a people and where our mindset was for um, privacy and for taking pictures and, and all of those type of things. But what, what's interesting is John Oliver uses... Google Glass as a failed early adoption story to validate his point that he thinks cryptocurrencies are just for, you know, bros that want to rap about the HODL gang and about, you know, this, um, you know, pump and dump and, and that whole idea of, of, of a lot of really kind of like just buying into the hate narrative. And I understand John Oliver, just like all of the nighttime, uh, you know, sitcoms, you know, they're playing into their base. They understand you know, the narrative and who they're, they're, they're speaking to. But I will tell you, one of the things that I like to do is like, I don't want to prove John Oliver wrong. I want to take what John Oliver is providing and provide use cases and things that enlighten people that might believe what John Oliver has shared. Now, that's not what I'm going to do here on the podcast episode, but it also is just an important way that we can look at, you know, all of the different things that are kind of happening in this space at the moment where, you know, I would say where the, you know, the market is as a whole. I will tell you, you know, one of the upcoming episodes that you can stay tuned, you can look forward to is the hype cycle uh, put out by Gartner Research um, was released uh, about a week ago, I believe. And they talk about like, what are the innovation triggers? What are the things that, you know, um, you know, the, the, the slope of enlightenment and, and how mass adoption happens um, within the hype curve. And they actually have you know, NFTs on the downslope a little bit. And I'm going to break that down uh, the entire, you know, Gartner hype cycle um, in another episode. But I wanted to tap into that a little bit because a lot of this is like, you know, it has the metaverse on like the very early, early days. It has the Dow, you know, increasing in, in popularity. And then it has Web3 even broken out a little bit differently. And I will tell you, when we are thinking about the narrative and the words that we're using, and this can be if you're talking to a, a friend or family member. It could be if you're launching your own NFT project. The words we use matter. 
But I actually think it's even more important to be very strategic with why we're using certain words versus other words, such as when we should be mentioning Web3 versus talking about something specifically like NFTs or crypto. And you're like, Brian, okay, that makes sense. But what about Web3 versus like blockchain, right? Because technically Web3 is being powered and is built on the blockchain, but blockchain itself is a very technology-driven kind of conversation where Web3, I believe, sets the stage for a mindset shift. Now, I will say this over and over and over again. I don't care if it's NFTs. I don't care if it's metaverse. I don't care if it's cryptocurrency. I don't care if it's blockchain. All four of those, it is a mindset shift across the board. All four of them are a mindset shift, really. If you think about what cryptocurrencies are doing, it's removing the middleman from the equation of transfer of value online. If we want to transfer value in person, exchange money for money, right? Cash for cash. We could do that, but we would have to meet up IRL, right? I would meet you, you know, at the local Walmart parking lot and we could exchange cash. But digitally, we've always been dependent on the PayPal's, the Venmo's or a bank ledger or Western Union or whatever those may be. And not only is that a time constraint, a border constraint, and it adds a layer of transaction costs, but it also, you know, is a layer of security. It's also a layer of the haves and the have nots, right? Because there are certain things you must have, you know, you must have a bank account. You must be able to, you know, Western Union has their own kind of versions of that. I know some countries, even like Canada, doesn't have Venmo, right? Where they might have PayPal. And all of those things are barriers to the greater good in the sense that I firmly believe that the future of innovation is powered by collaboration. Now, collaboration today is still a very siloed process. But the beauty of great collaboration, for anyone that wants to think about the power of collaboration, is that collaboration is at its purest and makes its largest impact when all sides feel like it is mutually beneficial. Now, When we're thinking about that here in how we educate, how we inspire, how we motivate, how we talk to people about all of this space, this is a mutually beneficial conversation is essential because a lot of times what I'm learning is that people are actually, when you're explaining cryptocurrency, you're really referring to the fact that like those that don't have banks or access to banks. Well, if the person you're talking to can't relate to that or doesn't value that as something that needs to be fixed in the world, well, using that use case, that scenario, that that build-up for cryptocurrency value isn't going to work. And so this is actually where, for me, the power of storytelling, connecting to use cases, but more so than anything else, celebrating use cases is more important today than ever been before. Like, if you want to know, like, hey, Brian, I don't have any money. I'm in a couple of projects. I'm not launching my own project. Like, how can I help celebrate or how can I help amplify this space? Well, first of all, you can retweet and share great use cases, great educational examples, and even great adoption scenarios that, that come in front of you, right? Like, I permanently believe that every person listening to here does not retweet or follow enough people on Twitter, I also don't think you share enough of the positive content on your other social channels, from LinkedIn to uh, Facebook to Instagram, right? Like I, I, I was laughing. I was looking at my feed. 
And there's some friends of mine that are, are in this space that on their Facebook, they've only shared about Coinbase being investigated and about this, you know, board eight being stolen from Seth Green. But they don't talk about things like the Choice DAO raising money for, you know, women reproductive rights. They're not sharing things like, you know, um, projects that are minority led or female driven or that are, uh, you know, activists, uh, you know, empowered or the Time magazine pieces that are, you know, really connecting and amplifying artists around the world like never happened before. And that's a big piece of this puzzle. We have a tendency to share and engage with the negative far more than we do the positive. And you know what? The only person to blame is us. We need to change that narrative. We need to celebrate others' success. When you hear, like, and, it, and it's funny because, you know, there are some people in our lives that, let's say you're single, and all of a sudden you start dating someone, right? There are some people in our lives that will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you found somebody. I'm so happy that, you know, that, um, that you know, your luck is, you know, your, your luck is turned and you met somebody that, that you know, helps, make, makes you better. There are also some people that are like, oh, it's nice that you found somebody. I wish I could find somebody too. Like, it just sucks that, you know, like, I can't find anybody and you did, right? Because they make it about themselves. Then there are also the people that are just haters, that are like, oh, that's not going to last. That person's a loser, or you didn't, you didn't, you weren't single enough, or um, you're just, you know, that person's too young or too old, right? They're always looking for a flaw. Unfortunately, that's no different in this space, right? When we, we hear people complaining or criticizing or building a narrative, a lot of that narrative falls into those kind of buckets and those scenarios, right? Where they're either mad because they're not here or early. They're either jaded because they don't like change. And in some cases, they're also just going to hate because it's a lot easier to hate than to educate or to embrace change. Now, this also requires us to really think about when we are amplifying things, when we're talking about things, even things that we, we know need to be put out there, because I'm not one that believes everything should be you know, sunshine and roses, but I am one that says, when we are making claims or putting things out there, let's add context. Like, it's so funny for me, right? Like, data without context is just information for us to, you know, decide how we want to use, right? But data with context allows us to build a narrative and understand and really connect it to a story and relate to the information that we have, right? So simply saying that, you know, something as easy as, you know, OpenSea's traffic has dipped uh, 40% over the last 90 days. It's very easy to put that information out to the world. But what if we could say OpenSea, you know, is, is data has dipped recently, but it is still 190% year over date um, compared to this time last year, right? So it actually shares that, that context of like, hey, yes, it might have gone down recently, but we're still way above where we were, you know, a couple of years ago. The other thing that I'm starting to embrace, and it's funny, if you went, if you go back and listen to a couple episodes in May of this year, May of 2022, for me, like the whole bear market, bull market conversation, like let's not, let's stop arguing about is it a bull market or is it a bear market? Just kind of like the people that are on TV right now arguing about should we call it a recession or should we not call it a recession? Here's the truth. Times are tough. A lot of people don't have the money to afford the things that they need in life. 
A lot of companies are having to lay off and make changes that they didn't plan for. A lot of businesses overclicked and purchased too much, you know, kind of dependent on the, the behaviors of the pandemic and now are stuck with too much inventory on things that people don't want. And that puts us in a weird you know, place. But all of those things, like arguing about the, the individual, like which term is better or how do we label something exactly, to me, arguing over the terms is pointless. But using the right terms at the right time can be a game changer. One of those examples can be when a project that, you know, maybe a project that I love, right, for example, that I've been active in for many months, and all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the founder isn't delivering as much um, as they claimed, and the founder isn't one to admit they're ever wrong. And all of a sudden, a lot of the claims that they made at one point, they're now rescinding. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling like, you know what, this project isn't for me anymore. That's not a rug pull. But we can, you know, people will say, oh, my goodness, Brian, it's a, it's a slow rug pull or a delayed rug pull. Well, really what we need to explain is that, you know, I trusted this founder based on these reasons. And early on, I connected with this and I found value in these reasons. And then as I was starting to, you know, change my opinion, that value started to not weigh as much for me, right? Because here's the funniest part about, you know, this NFT space. There will be projects that you get into that you like because of the time of the life that you are in. And a couple months or maybe a year later, your life has changed. Your, the way you look at things has changed. And so in some cases, and in many cases, a project is still doing what it's been doing this entire time. But how we look at it or who we are in our life or where we are, you know, what we're personally going for, through has changed. Therefore, our approach to it has changed. And I think we just have to own those type of things as well, right? And it's so easy in this space to blame others or to blame, you know, rug pull or this, this, you know, founder didn't, um, you know, didn't disclose things or, you know, I was tricked or duped. In many cases, I've just been wrong. I'm just going to share that, right? I've been wrong. There are things where I was judging a project or a couple projects by a couple different variables. And while what I've determined now is those variables are no longer applicable to decide if this project is worthwhile or something that I should be a part of. And it's okay to be wrong if you're willing to learn from those times that you've been wrong in the past. If you are simply not willing to not only be wrong, but you're also not going to back to look, you know, learn on them because it's like an ego check, then you are doing yourself a disservice and you're going to continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. The other part of this from an education perspective that I think we really just have to, to understand is just simply giving people the steps to do something doesn't really count as something as far as, hey, we have, you know, we are including education in our utility or we educate people into Web3. What I would argue is that is that you know, we fall into a trap and it's kind of like a trap like what I fell into going into college. I struggled through high school. I did not have a great GPA, but I had this weird illusion that once I, once I went to college, because I would be able to select my major, all of a sudden college would be easy for me because it's the stuff I want to learn about. And I would just, you know, start doing an amazing job, make, get amazing grades. Everything would fall into place. Well, it comes to find out that's not the case with college. Why is that? Well, let's also face it. We all learn differently, yet college, for at least for me, was set up for one type of learning. 
right? And especially not for those of us that are neurodiverse. The other component of it was that I am not, I was not a very good student. I did not understand my brain or, or how I worked enough to set up studying and consumption of data and information in a way that made me, you know, more productive. So in a way I could blame college for not, you know, conforming or understanding me enough, but let's face it, even if college understood me enough, I wasn't prepared enough to embrace that. And so that's why when I, when I hear something like John Oliver talk about Google Glass, it's such a funny thing to be able to go back and say, I'm going to pick this early adoption failure to value, validate my opinion on something on the future. Because we could do that about everything, right? Every single person, I don't care if it's politics, religion, I don't care if it's technology. If you want to prove the value of, uh, of like, not, you know, here, here's a great one. You know what? You need to embrace change because if you don't see change coming, you're going to be the next blockbuster, right? So anyone that wants to help people see the power of change, we use blockbuster as the example for not embracing change and not seeing the light, right? While at the same time, we could use things like, you know what? Amazon started as a book company during a time when books were not, you know, reading, reading books, you know, physical books were kind of on a, on a downtick, right? Now, they didn't really embrace change in the book market. They redefined it. We could say the same thing with Uber, right? Uber didn't invent hailing a car. They just simplified the process, made it a little bit, you know, simplified and, and embraced some of the technology around us. And so the place that I believe that we are, we as a, uh, a Web3 family, if you're listening to this, I consider you part of our Web3 family, the place that we are struggling with is providing, documenting, celebrating use cases that aren't tied to just financial gain. And so that could be things like, hey, I met my girlfriend, boyfriend, future wife um, in a NFT you know, room that I probably would have never met her. Great use case, right? I was able to, to, you know, understand myself and realize that I wasn't alone and my mental health improved because I joined a couple discords for a project that I owned and all of a sudden now um, I'm a, at a much better per, you know, place in my life. Maybe you bought the step-in NFT and it all of a sudden, you know, gave you, you know, gamification and motivation to get out and run and get out and get exercise because you're incentivized and motivated to do that. These are the things that we need to be better at celebrating and putting out to the world. And I will tell you, I'm going to work hard at doing that better, even with some of the upcoming guests that we have um, that we're lining up here for the podcast for our last 100 plus episodes. Because I will tell you, for me, you know, this is the, the, the we're getting towards the tail end of season one. But more so than anything else, for me, we're getting towards the journey of doing this for one year together. And what I believe we need to look at is we need to be honest with ourselves. What are the things we've done well? What are the things that we've struggled with? What are the things that we were blind to that we are now, we can see the light? And then we also have to recognize to give each other grace, forgive some of our you know, decisions or you know, things that we've done along the way, and also recognize that during this like early adoption phase, during this like cycle that we are currently in, you know, there is something really magnetic and powerful about being here now, not because we get the, the early movers advantage, but because we get to help shape the culture 
and the community that we want to be a part of in the future. So I'm a big advocate for not giving more attention to the, or hating on people that are doing bad things. I'm a big advocate for doubling down and celebrating those that are doing great things and that are creating things that I believe will move the needle forward and, and, and change how we think of this. I'll tell you, I, you know, the, uh, yesterday I actually did a presentation um, at, with an amazing group, actually a couple of listeners of the podcast, uh, they hired me uh, to, to present uh, kind of a masterclass style um, of, you know, really the, you know, getting started or entry point of NFTs, crypto and social tokens. And one of the things that I loved when I was reading the comments and the questions about, you know, uh, you know, from this, this group that I was presenting to yesterday, a lot of them were like, Brian, I love your passion Brian, thanks so much for translating that the geek speak around with what's going on. Brian, like, man, this is exactly what no one else has told me about this space. Now I understand the use cases. And of course, there were others that were, you know, challenging and asking, you know, hey, what about, you know, what is the impact with uh, quantum computing? Like, how will quantum, quantum computing impact, you know, the blockchain or cryptocurrencies? And then others were talking about, you know, the SEC and some of the regulations that are coming. But the truth is, Anyone who is curious and willing to approach Web3 as a whole with an open mind, to me, are the people that are going to be the ones that are going to come on this journey to reset the future, to reimagine what is possible. So I will tell you, there are some NFT projects right now that I'm looking at jumping back into, right, that are um, on the secondary market that I maybe, you know, originally I knew about the project Maybe I didn't have the time or maybe I wasn't a huge fan or I didn't know enough about it. But there are some projects and some people in this space that I just want to be aligned with. I want to support. I want to advocate for. And I want to do that with much more than just my voice or subscribing to their YouTube channel or going in their Twitter spaces. I want to buy their NFT. I want to, I want to be there on that journey because the other part of this that excites me more so than anything is those of us that believe in the power of the creator economy and the decentralized you know, future, we're not creating a pyramid scheme. Now, there are some in this space that are, but what we are creating is a circle. And the more that we grow this circle, the more we all benefit. The more people we onboard, more people that we celebrate, the more value that we can provide and we can share, the better we all become. And let's face it, self-serving short-term views are what got us where we are today in the world. But I truly do believe not only is the future of business community and that the future of innovation is powered by collaboration, but I also believe there are so many great people in this world that are destined to do great things and they're going to be powered and enabled and celebrated and propelled to do that using something like Web3. And that to me is something that I am bullish and all in on. Something else that I'm bullish and all in on is the Crypto Business Conference. They are the sponsor of the podcast. Um, and that event is happening uh, in October in San Diego. And I'm excited. You know, I actually got off a phone call earlier today uh, with you know, the founder of the event. And we were talking through uh, the lineup and some of the, the speakers that are there. Some of them are, are yet to be announced. But we were really kind of you know, dialing in a lot on you know, what are the things that people need to know and understand about Web3, NFT, social tokens, DAOs, cryptocurrency? 
And for me, what's exciting about this is that we can evolve and the curriculum evolves, the, the event evolves as we evolve as well. And the other part that I think is really exciting is that as much as I love being on stage, and I will be on stage there at the Crypto Business Conference, is that I also love being able to you know, feel that magic in person, right? Sit down at a table with others that believe that NFTs can change charitable, charitable donations and social good. I also like being around you know, people that believe that you know, we can turn many side hustles or many um, things that we've, we've never monetized into the future. And so Crypto Business Conference is going to have those, those table talks. They're going to have the, the single track session where you, you don't have to worry about missing uh, a session because you had to pick one. Everyone's going to be on, on that one stage under one track, which really excites me uh, about this event. And so definitely check it out, socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. And lastly, I'll leave you with this. We've been creating a lot of content. We've been creating, you know, every one of these podcast episodes are recorded on video. Um, we, of course, have the audio. We're putting blogs up on our website, nft365podcast.com. Um, I do a Twitter space every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time called, uh, you know, it's Superpower Hour, where I host it just solo myself. I bring in some friends, some people on the team here. Um, and we have lots of conversations. I let some people come up and explain their project, you know, ask their questions about the podcast or about things that we are uh, implementing. You know, we have a lot of things kind of going in across the board. We also have an upcoming merch drop that I'm excited to talk about that we've been gating. Uh, we have some other things, you know, leading up to the Mint 365, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of explosion. But here's, here's the thing that I've, I've, had a, I've had to kind of own and realize in this NFT space is that if you lead from your heart and you are willing to be transparent and own the good, the mistakes you've made, the, the, the successes you've had, you're able to celebrate you know, everything that you have going on, but shine the light on others, people will come with you, people will join you, and people will believe in what you're doing. So if you're launching your own NFT project or maybe you've already launched and you're trying to grow the mint, I'm just here to tell you, keep on keeping on. If you believe in what you're doing, double down, own, you know, get in more Twitter spaces, celebrate, tell more stories, you know, collaborate with other projects. But more so than anything else, if you are one that cares and you can put out there that you care, just know that the timing is going to come along. And I will tell you, I'm not huge into this whole like manifesting thing that I know a lot of people are, but I am a believer in the fact that, you know, it's not good people will finish last. It's that you know, good people have to keep on believing in what they're doing and the good that they can spread. And then the magic will happen and we will not only be able to build a future that we all believe in, but we'll be able to reimagine the way technology impacts our lives, the way we connect with others, the way that we find our people. I've had a, a tough 48 hours since I lost, you know, a friend. And I will say for anyone that's here that, uh, you know, was part of the Bunny Buddies family, uh, one of the co-founders, one of the brothers, uh, Mitch, passed away uh, after a five-year battle with cancer. And, and it was a very private battle. It wasn't something he wanted to put out there um, to a lot of people. And I felt very honored that he told me about his battle a couple of months back and was asking for some advice on you know, telling his story and, and how if, if, he, if he was, if was going to open up, like what are the things he needs to factor in. And, and, I, and you know, I would just say like one of the things that you know, he touched me with. I didn't know him that long. We knew each other 
uh, about eight months. And I got to meet, you know, his brother, his sister, his, his brother-in-law. We got to, you know, do many Zooms and FaceTimes together. Um, he even text messaged me, uh, you know, a couple days ago uh, with words of encouragement. But I will tell you, more so than anything else, he was somebody that just loved to celebrate others and make others feel good. Every time I went to one of his Twitter spaces, man, the way he talked about me and the way he talked about what we're doing with this podcast and the value that I've provided, I couldn't pay for a better intro. And honestly, I wouldn't because he did it from a place of you know his heart and his just belief that like he just loved helping people connect with people that he believed were good people. And a lot of you have reached out, a lot of you have messaged you know, um, knowing that, you know, I was I'm very close to Mitch and Ari and, and the Bunny Buddies family. And, and this is much more than an NFT project to me. And I, I'm wearing my, uh, my Bunny Buddy as my PFP currently over there on Twitter. And, and part of that is because, you know, it's easy for us to get stuck in the, you know, what is the floor price or where is your roadmap, roadmap or utility or why haven't you delivered this and this and this? But when we take a step back and we recognize that there are some great people that have come into our lives thanks to these JPEGs or these Google glasses that John Oliver wanted to mock. There are some people that have helped me during times of struggle. And there are some people that have connected me with people that are people that I'll do business with for many years to come. And honestly, we can't allow the the input from others on the outside, the hate, the shame, and even the financial component from stopping us from realizing that what we have in front of us, where the world is at the moment, there's a lot of good that can be done. There's a lot of people we can help. And there's also a lot of things that we can be thankful for. And I'm very grateful, very thankful for a bunny project that brought somebody into my life, although not for long enough, but for long enough for me to realize not only the good that I can you know, share and spread in the world, but also just the fact that I have, I have to own and value and appreciate the contributions that I put out there. So, Meta Mitch, here's to you, my friend. And until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers, everybody. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own 